0: Good morning and welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Before we dive into wizard number 57 from May 1996, I want to remind everybody of Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July, the last Saturday in July. We are asking our audience to pull out some of their best comics and share those in the little lending libraries in their neighborhoods. Let's try to build some new comic book readers. This is the second year in a row that we are doing cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july had a great success last year at least in terms of all the social media pictures so put some comics in those local lending libraries take some pictures pictures share it and uh, let's see if we can't get a few more people interested in this uh, comic book medium that we love so much also want to tell everybody Join the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon if you haven't already. There are different levels there that will get you access to the videos early. And at the King Kayfaber level, you get all the videos early and you get the recording sessions. So they are watching right now as we go through this issue, uh, adding to the conversation and also getting a leg up on the Kayfabe effect. Because we look at all kinds of books on this channel and sometimes there aren't a lot of those books. So if you want one, you want to be the first one in line to get it. And our Patreon is the best way to be at the front of that line. Alright, business at hand Ed, Wizard Magazine, May 1996, quite a cover from uh, a little corner box of Alex Ross's upcoming Kingdom Come, which we've been seeing ads building for this over the last several issues, and I guess we're not quite there yet, this is still the build up as we get into the sketchbook, and then Rob Liefeld with the giant Captain America and Jim Lee on Iron Man, that is a star studded cover right there. Hot shot in the cover dude, no doubt about it. I remember, uh, here's a thought for you, gearing up for this. I'm looking at Captain America, and I remember like the big change that Rob Liefeld made was to put the eagle on the forehead instead of the uh, the big capital A. I just don't see why either one makes much difference, but that was controversial. It
1: was. And it makes
0: me think, Rob Liefeld, the Howard Stern of comics. I like it. Because it's like, the people who loved him, they
1: bought his books, and the people who hated him could not stop talking about him. Totally, and and thus promoting <laughs> They sold his books. Constantly, <laughs> yes. constantly, and, and because... Th- you know, in social dynamics, the emotional person is the weaker person. So, the, so when those people are hooping and hollering, they look like clowns. And it makes you want to support the person that's making this person look like a clown. But he's an endless troll, Rob Liefeld, because that symbol will be on his fighting Americans head too. Like he just pivots. Like after his six-issue uh, cup of coffee with Marvel there, he'll just make his own patriotic superhero with the same emblem. With Stephen Platt, you know, and it has the great scene with the slim Pickens on my Charles Dickens where where yes. Fighting American is humping a big ol' warhead. Here's a question. Is this one piece of paper?
0: I assume no, but I don't know that. Yeah. It could be. Because I was looking at their signatures, and it's weird that Jim Lee's is above Rob's in that Rob's drawing is above Jim Lee's. You know, like if you don't know anything about this, I would look at this and say, Well, who which one drew Captain America? Or maybe there's four names and they all just
1: I, I can <laughs> jumped th- on
0: this piece of paper.
1: I can see those ego guys, h- h- this being a conversation. Like, okay, the Captain America be above, but my name has to be the top signature.
0: We were pretty critical of Sybil's inks, at least I was, in the actual Captain America one. I think they look really good here. Yeah, it looks fine. Especially on the on the shield. I, I like some of the dynamic on that shield. Because
1: you're not seeing too much, and it's it's this kind of stuff, these like noodle yeah. marks that 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 I don't I don't like. But you don't see many of them on this piece, just because it's a big close up. But you could also t- see that like there's no doubt that Rob inks that face compared to everything else. It looks like two different sets of uh, of tools. And we are now firmly in the digital era so like you look close at this this is a pencil yeah and it is just bumped up contrast values to get this this ad out there pretty quick but it is pencil and it's one of the rare times that, that you see it um it'll become a thing digital inking becomes a thing reasonably soon and you're talking about fighting american which is where rob's going to pivot to
0: is whatever happens in the heroes uh reborn um, those are all penciled. Oh, that's good. Cool the to the know. Rob Liefeld stuff and the Stephen Platt stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't know that. But uh, it'll be tightened up more. You mm-hmm. know, like when those guys decided that's the way to go. You see a little fuss there with like the pencil marks and stuff. The truth is, you don't even need it. Like it's like inking was a vestige of mechanical reproduction, so it's a tradition at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not necessary. You know, we talk about like if you're gonna print the book,
0: make sure the book is is worthy of print. Yeah i kind of feel that way about inking because like you say it's this vestige of production that doesn't isn't necessary anymore but the flip side is a craft has developed around ink That's true. so if you're going to ink like i want to see you showing off like what can you do with the with
1: the pen and the brush and the black and white the, dude this this strip that i'm working on right now it is uh the very first time that people are going to see just my pure drawing with ink with no fuss and muss no color no tone, no duotone it's just the pen and ink and it's total. it feels nude you know it feels like i'm naked uh but it's it's fun to like do that
0: a lot of toy talk here in our in our uh, editorial as well as alex ross kingdom come artwork in that first paragraph so not losing sight completely of the uh of the comic scene
1: yeah but might as well be because this issue uh even though there's some cool stuff like this kane pogrist Grist uh um article it's still it's just reportage. It's a little boring.
0: Brian Polito leading off our letters column. If you're a celebrity or a creator, I feel like you get your top top billing in this letters column. Uh, complain about Rob Liefeld ripping off his his Elvis pose
1: and you for, know
0: f- for photos, not for uh, like comic book
1: art. Just one of those things. Polito, good marketer, and he is you know president cause Chaos Comics. He's getting his name in the press. Yeah, maybe making a couple people curious. Yeah,
0: that's the cost of a stamp as opposed to paying uh, ad rates. That's it. I have to make a note of this pen pals thing. What the heck is going on in the '90s? It's a bunch of kids posting their address, listing their sex, and posting their address. Is it 11, 12, 13, 13, and then 32? <laughs> this guy
1: in the Oh end. man, Joel Lieberman isn't he a senator or something?
0: I tell you, man, it just seems like you, you you couldn't do that today.
1: No, well the thing is, man, it's just it's much more immediate today. You don't need to do that.
0: I always say these letter art pieces point to the chaos that is comics in May 1996.
1: And you know what? It's beautiful chaos. Like, it is. Like, I like, kind
0: of like it, but it, it points to like there's
1: nothing that's gangbuster in comics at this moment. So, so you know, history can repeat itself. And this makes me feel very hopeful for today because at a time when comics were in, the drizzling shits, as they say <laughs> in, in pro wrestling terms, <laughs> the independent can flourish. So what are we looking at there? We're looking at a late period cerebus like we're, we're on the waning years here man like it's it's almost done within the next eight years or so scud amongst etrigan the demon and and uh that that goofball looking uh green lantern uh we're getting a Paul Grist article in this thing today like we've got a strange as the paradise last last issue so like the independence can flourish and i feel like we're, we could be in that space right now we're in that space right now uh where nobody. There's nothing exciting about the marvel dc stuff that's coming out you know and when we put out that first red room we were competing we were beating marvel dc titles in the ranks
0: wildcast 31 i wonder if somebody out there can confirm if this is alan moore and jim lee i don't i don't know if i have that issue or not i bought a big chunk of those alan moore issues and i feel like he left the title maybe earlier than planned so I'm curious if this is an Alan, all Alan Moore, Jim Lee issue, because that, that'd be pretty cool. I'd, look, I'd take a look at that if it, if that actually is the case. Yeah, it's too
1: bad. I actually just uh, deleted that stuff off, off my uh, iPad. Um, I don't even know what to say here. Talking clone. Here, here's what you say. Like, they started that clone <laughs> shit in 93. It's 96. Wow. And, and they're trying to figure out how to write the way out of the paper bag. And they're basically telling everybody, like guys we're done peter parker's gonna be spider-man we gotta figure out our way around it uh my thought is like just forget it like fuck continuity like just just be done with that you know like you can you can train the audience man to just disabuse themselves of like all that nonsense uh make like you could just be like okay yeah you know trying to experiment didn't work all right back back to ground zero because at this point the untold tales comics are eating the spider-man titles lunch just because it's classic it's it's familiar it's it's the stuff that they want
0: yeah and you can pick up any issue and go with it absolutely look at this crow gimmick this is scattered throughout the uh the issue for a contest <laughs> of how
1: many of those pro logos do you do you see this video is brought to you by the cartoonist kayfabe patreon uh the king kayfabers on our patreon uh completely mitigate the kayfabe effect by getting a chance to see all of our videos before anybody else they also have access to the live stream recording sessions and add a lot of value to the videos by filling in the gaps and uh the knowledge that jimmy and i have on the subject matters that we were talking about before you lies the bibliography of cartoonist kayfabe with some uh, pretty dope new additions that are coming in the near future hip-hop family tree omnibus is coming to you this holiday season five hundred plus pages of content it's a ten-year anniversary of hip-hop family tree it is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop i put 140 pages of new material in this book to make it a completely new and substantial experience not the only holiday book that i'm presenting to you this year 2022 x-men grand design trilogy is coming out uh, in november in time for the holidays collecting all of my x-men grand design works uh, some of this book, some of this stuff is out of print right now. So it's the one place where you could get it all in a handy dandy volume. And Red Room Crypto Killers is out there. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Two issues out there right now. I encourage you to get issue number three of Crypto Killers because uh, that's going to be the first appearance of my next uh comic strip set of characters. Jimmy has Street Angel Princess of Poverty coming out sooner than later. It is uh, going to be a great companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive that currently received a, a fresh printing. You get both books. You have all of Jimmy Street Angel. Material that he has done to date. Uh, but right now, True Crime Funnies is the comic you're going to want to get your hands on. Still has a couple of copies. You go to Jim Rugg's website, go to his Patreon, you'll be able to uh, see these comics ahead of time and purchase your own copy. Now that we're done with uh, paying the bills, let's get back to the video. So, pretty big news here is Jerry Siegel dies, yeah. co creator of Superman.
0: Um, weird going through these issues, and like, you know, I mean, this is 27 years ago sure. at this point, but can't overstate his, its significance to American
1: comics. Absolutely, man. And, uh, the, there's that Robert Kirkman comic, comic book, uh, show, I forget what it was called, but they did their Superman episode and it, it gets really, really into the nitty gritty with the Siegel and Schuster stuff. The, the fact that, uh, DC spun off Superboy on their own, but that created a legal piece of leverage for Siegel and Schuster to sort of claim ownership. On, on uh, that character, or like get some derivative off of that, the new Adams stuff in the 70s.
0: Yeah, it's great to see Neil Adams here, too. Uh, an, another uh, legend who has passed at this point, but in, in 1996, you know, Sharp is Attack, and was instrumental in having Siegel and Schuster receive at least some of what they, you know. It, a monthly payout, let's say, by uh, publicly shaming DC Comics in the late 70s when the movie, Superman movie's coming out.
1: Yeah, I did some calculation uh, on on some of this stuff since we have access to inflation calculators and things. So in, in 38, Siegel and Schuster sell the rights to Superman, to DC Comics for $130. That's about uh, $2,200 in uh, 2023 money, Chomp change, certainly for what it's become. Uh, I do like seeing this piece here, uh, because I've never heard it worded this exact way. And if it's true, that's, that's even better for, for what Neil Adams accomplished and what, what DC comics provided, because it says, you know, 78, the pension that they received yearly, they called it a yearly stipend.
0: Oh yeah. I didn't realize that was a year.
1: Uh, originally reported to be a 20 K per year. It's, it's 78. Um, and reported to be much higher by the time of their death so if there is like you know 10% growth like every year to account for inflation or something like this that's pretty good that's I mean it's it's not good but I was always under the impression that it was like 20k every year or even into the 90s when the dollar is worth less and less and less but if they kind of kept up with inflation and stuff um, it's it's something it, it, I mean obviously it's far less than what that property is worth. But, you know, Adams did what he could. He's one man, you know? Yeah, did a lot over
0: the course of his life for, for all of us creators.
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny seeing the Image Boys draw, draw Marvel titles. So it's talk about the image and Marvel to meet this summer. So on top of like your Heroes Reborn, you're gonna start getting those Young Blood X-Men's and uh, X-Men Wildcats, Gen 13, Generation X. I don't know if that even came out, but um, there's a Spider-Man Bad Rock in in the works uh with a merit michael's drawn that's big, the beefiest spider-man you've ever seen in your entire life
0: <laughs> yeah that's wwf uh late 80s he era totally, spider-man tot- he's on the juice yeah
1: doctor what's his face so is <laughs> uh taking care of his wounds but there is a reported to be a bad rock wolverine drawn by chap yap who's one of my favorites i don't know that comic K favors pox 3071 munhall pa 15120 i would like to i would like to check that out i don't know if it even happened but uh Chappy App is a favorite of mine and uh I th- I thought I had everything that he's drawn but I don't have that.
0: Yeah, that that's fascinating because it is just total hot shotting.
1: Yeah, and it's a bummer because like Youngblood X-Force, you want that to be Rob Liefeld drawing that. Oh, know? yeah, ideally, of course. Definitely. And he does the cover, but it's a uh, Roger Cruz.
0: Yeah. I think there's a Cable profit that uh Platt will pencil. I think um, I'm sure we'll see more of that as we continue through Wizard uh, future issues. Peter David writing a Supergirl is returning to DC, and he's the writer. I mention it because when we get to like the top ten hot writers artists, I yeah. think Peter David is number one, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll see his name pop up when people talk about different books they're reading or what to read. Um,
1: this is Peter David at the peak of his powers. Sure, there's there's like the 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 job writers, you know. There's very few of these guys that can string. A narrative together in anything that's close to a story and those guys got a lot of work so you have your Peter David you have your Chuck Dixon you have your Kurt Busiek uh, you have your Joe Duffy a couple others Dan Jurgens writing multiple titles but you got these couple of people doing tons of work I supported this book uh, I like I like Gary Frank's art I, and uh, he's the artist on that Supergirl stuff so uh, for the first year, I, I grabbed uh, these comics because of my appreciation for what Gary Frank did in, in uh, mainstream comics at that time. Because there was such a lack of fundamentals and such a lack of storytelling. Uh, his polish might not have worked well for Hulk, but it, it worked really great on uh, the Super Supergirl comics.
0: Yeah, he did a team book too with the J. Michael Straczynski, I want to say, is, was the writer. Uh, there was like that superhero, I don't want to say revisionist exactly, but I remember it having a pretty good a pretty good run. Yeah, no. uh, the buzz box is amazing for how wrong they get everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> wrong. Scott Campbell doing Batman, I don't believe that happened. Steranko returning to uh, do Nick Fury, Nope, no on that one too. Chris Claremont and Silvestri on X-Men, nope, I don't remember that one coming out. <laughs> they do mention the Star Trek X-Men one shot though, and I do think that happened, which yeah. is uh, again with the hot shot and crossover properties, although that one... You'd think you'd be able to do some stuff with, because, I mean, we see X-Men in space, so why not have them bump into the Star Trek? Um, Astro City becomes first the Maj comic, which was an imprint of Wildstorm. Uh, you know, the Jim Lee branch of Image Comics, eventually scooped up by DC.
1: Yeah, other titles will be like Leave It to Chance. Right,
0: which is Paul Smith. Yeah. So kind of kind of noteworthy for that one, I think.
1: The, uh, the Grant Morrison taking over JLA and taking those characters back to the basics was was a big deal but it's still modern comics so like what he has to work with is mullet superman (laughs) transitioning into electric kool-aid acid test superman uh that real shitty green lantern with mankind's mask harpoon hand sad sack aquaman and uh you know you get you get your other guys
0: I always see hurricane Whenever I see the, uh, you know, the wrestler hurricane, I Shane don't, Helms. I
1: don't, I don't but uh, <laughs> i
0: I think he beat The Rock and Stone Cold possibly in the
1: same night. I'm, yeah, I'm out of it by that point. <laughs> but he, he, his mask is almost the same. It's very close to that. You know what else it is? It's a Brutus beefcake when he came back after the uh, facial injury.
0: There you go. Um, another list of, of people that we lose this month. I guess led by Byrne Hogarth. And they kind of go through and talk a little bit about his... Uh, influence being those dynamic anatomy books amongst other things we, which we should
1: do a video about yes. because it's like do not use these anatomy <laughs> books if you ever plan to try to have any understanding of the the human figure and i say that facetiously one because uh he made it work but it's magical burn hogarth anatomy you can't you can't pull any of that for your own use and look anything but like a Bern hogarth character, but he, uh, instrumental in establishing the school of visual arts in New York to that, you know, you worked there for what, almost a, a decade? decade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil Adams, once again, steps in and talks about the tremendous legacy of Bern Hogarth, um, Simonson weighs in on it. And then the other two names are Bernard Bailey, who co-created the specter with, uh, with Siegel, um, you know, coincidentally enough, they both pass same month here. And Malcolm Jones third, who we talked about from his Sandman art, would do like finishing art on Sandman. I always liked his work. Uh, gone way too young.
1: Suicide. Rest in peace. Uh, any company updates catch your eye? You know, you're seeing these little bits now, man. Abstract Studios showing up. Aria Press, that's Colleen Duran's uh, imprint for Distant Stoyal. She self-publishes a guide, 101 Things. Uh, your publisher doesn't want you to know. We'll finally ship in April. Two copies of that to the P.O. Box, please, because that will will make a fantastic episode. Uh, I think I have the Cerebus Guide to Self-Publishing, and that could be a good episode for the channel, dude, uh, because we could dissect these things and talk about what applies now. Uh, We could leave off the shit that doesn't matter or just talk about it as a vestige. But I think those could be good resources for for the makers out there. Monkey Man and O'Brien is
0: finally expected to be released in July, issue number one, from Dark Horse Comics. So one of my favorite wizard... Issues is, I believe, issue 31. Yeah. And that would have been, I think, the first glimpse we had of Monkey Man and O'Brien. And, you know, once again, to put that in context, this is issue 57. So the comics industry changes a lot in that amount of time.
1: Yeah. If he could have rushed some stuff out, he could have he made some money, man. Uh, Simonson and Gary Gianni showing up at the Dark Horse Legend imprint. I don't know that they put anything out through that imprint because, like, pretty soon it's going to be Maverick. Um, Star Slammer special I
0: believe came out. I actually saw that in a uh, Dollar Box not too long ago. Gary and it G- seemed like it was kind of a summary
1: type thing, you know, like it was it was short, it wasn't. Right. It, it didn't feel substantial. It's interesting cuz he was a part of that Bervora line right. that sort of went nowhere. They had their like little popcorn fizzle
0: and that was the Malibu imprint. So yeah. I guess when DC buys Malibu, that's the end of Bervora if it wasn't already over.
1: Yeah, I think they did their four four issues, took their took their money and ran. Gary Gianni Classmate of uh, Jeff Darrow there in Chicago. Uh, great artist, man. He did that Corpus, Corpus Monstrum big book mm-hmm. that has that very etching style, steeped in, in pulp imagery. You know, your, your Virgil Finley type aesthetics. Yes. Uh, he, great line. He took over the art duties after John Cullen Murphy left uh, Prince Valiant. And he and Mark Schultz made Prince Valiant sing again and to this day schultz is still writing that and tom yates is the artist on prince valiant great looking strip check it out if if uh you got it in your local paper or just go on uh, i don't know gocomics.com or something and
0: this is where i first saw his work was as a backup in a hellboy the the very devil that was the first time i ever saw his
1: stuff the very first place i saw his stuff was uh it was a pinup in uh big fat kill uh, we're at issue 9 with Stray Bullets, so uh, okay. that's always fun to kind of keep keep in touch with that.
0: Yeah, I was going to point out the Kitchen Sink press notes just because, uh, like Dave McKean's Cages, issue number 10, final issue of that is uh, getting ready to ship. So started at Tundra, did complete a Kitchen Sink, and that was one of those super interesting books yeah. for me at that time period. Um, found an issue for a quarter at the flea market, had no idea what I was looking at, and then it was covered, I think, in comic scenes, so it gave me some grounding, but that was one of those... Out of the context of what I was reading and had access to, Dave McKean's cages was like this is all new stuff that you can do in comics. Totally. So new to me,
1: it was it was a wild era, man. I got a hold it in sixth grade of uh, of a raw, the one with the used swart cover from volume two, and just seeing that breadth of comics. You know, it's the first I read was an article about Henry Darger in there. You know, like it just totally. It's still your formative years. You're still a sponge. You're still taking in information in a big way, and, and that was uh, that's huge to be exposed to that stuff so young. Sinja is coming out. John Cleary, Lightning Comics. I'm a fan. We looked at that a couple of times. Yep, yep. Toy Fair magazine is going to be impending. That was like their question of the month. Uh,
0: that makes sense because they're plugging toys hard in this issue oh, yeah. in the editorial. A lot of toy talk as, uh, as we get deeper into this It's going to
1: continue. They're going to have two magazines. They're going to have a uh, Inquest, which is the card gaming uh, magazine, and then Toy Fair. So Garb Shameless is increasing his, his uh, empire. Which, by the way, those card games...
0: Inside front cover ad, like that's this is an expensive piece of real estate and it kind of points to what is doing some business in this kind of area and those those card games.
1: Card, gra- card games are crypto at this area. They
0: kept some, we talked to people who, they kept shop doors open. Oh, totally. selling that stuff, totally. so. It's funny because it's trading cards, the beginning of Wizard, and now we're yeah. at card games. Uh, Raising Kane. Paul Griss Kane takes the crime noir genre to a new level with a humorous twist. I really love Kane. This is a Great. book that I've put together issue by issue, have a complete run of it.
1: What is it, 31 issues?
0: Yeah, 31. And you can see like the art that they pull out to highlight, it's black and white crime. So I loved Stray Bullets and City at the time. This plugged right into that kind of you know genre for me. And uh, I loved his artwork. Little shades of Mike Mignola, Alex Toth, Frank Miller, anybody that's crime strong H, black and white's Jaime. Yeah and uh, it's fun. It's kind of a police procedure. Uh, Kane is a detective and was involved in a shooting of shot a fellow detective who was corrupt and tried to kill him. And so like we're going to build through there and it involves like local organized crime, some of the cl- corrupt policemen, as well as the dynamics of like,
1: how do you go back to work after you've shot <laughs> a coworker? Yeah, i seen Serpico. Uh, 31 issues I do think came out from his Dancing Elephant Press, yes. but you can get these comics uh probably to this day it's kept in print by way of image Mm -hmm. trade paperbacks maybe five or six six trades so you this these are accept accessible they show up uh in those dollar bins like like anytime i see one like i i I will scoop up the old there's something sexy about those self-published comics you know And, and those old dancing elephant press books whenever i see one, i scoop it up i uh this was sort of out of i this Absolutely had this issue of Wizard. Totally like I complete. This is my introduction to Paul Grist's work. Freaking love it. Just for some reason, I just never was able to put it together. You know what it is? It's a three dollar fifty cent price tag was too much for me at at that time. Like I was buying stray bullets, and three dollars was like my maximum because like the the uh, the um, self published comics that were established in America. Your tyrants, your TH. Well, I don't know about TH because it's bigger, but two ninety five was the price. So three fifty. That's that's cutting deep into like my my kid budget uh, at that time, so I just didn't grab these at the time. But I must say that this article, it is reportage. It, you get nothing out of it really. Um, it's unfortunate because it gets four pages, but it's just minutia about like story details. But I'm interested in Paul Grist, and one of the things that he says though is, uh, you know, he had all these irons in the fire. And for whatever reason, like, the publishers, like, didn't put stuff out or went under. So he says publishers are crocodiles. Like, that was the impetus for him to begin self-publishing. You know, he was going to do some things through a company called Trident. Uh, That goes away. I think some of that stuff was published. That might have been
0: a Burglar Bill. There's another series that I see. St. Swithin's Song with Grant Morrison.
1: Burglar Bill published... uh, it was uh, meant to be a six-part series, canceled by Trident after one issue. There you go. Uh, Tundra UK put some stuff together. They go away. So that's where he says publishers are crocodiles, <laughs> and you know he's gonna. Uh, you know I don't really have anything against publishers. Some of them are nice. It's just that you don't realize which ones aren't nice until you're in too deep with them. And uh, and I concur. See our publishers are not your friends. Uh, episode of of a uh, K- cartoonist kayfabe
0: but i implore everybody if you like crime comics if you've enjoyed things like straight bullets and sin city add Kane to your list because you can't get it like ed said and uh it's good stuff
1: man. so like i said earlier man like like um two years ago in wizard magazine would there ever be an article with this guy it would be you know another rob Layfield conversation or another jim lee chat
0: he definitely fits into that like spirits of independence yeah uh all these self-publishers you mentioned colin colleen duran and um Who was the other person you mentioned in the, uh, oh, in Straight Bullets, you know, like there's a lot of energy around this self-publishing thing, like really good works coming out at this time. So kudos to Wizard who often criticized, but you know what, there's a bunch of good self-publishing going on and they're highlighting some of it. So I, I give them props for that
1: all every every month it's a (laughs) new ad every single month it's a new one
0: i'll give dc props man because they are promoting king they're building this this is what you hear about now whenever it's like oh you're gonna release a book you gotta start talking about it early you know you do all this like pre-release promotion dc's running the game right here i wonder if this is peggy burns uh you know the the longtime publicist for dc comics in the 80s and 90s she really changed the way books were sold and uh i saw somebody one of my friends picked up a collection of DC press releases at Heroes from like the 80s. And I've seen some of those, like the Dark Knight Returns one is amazing, the press yeah. kit. Um, I wonder if she's still running the promo at this point in 1996. I think she may have been because this is a master, master class Kingdom Comes promo. She, was, she,
1: was she there in the 80s? She was probably too young. The, the press
0: release that I saw was Peggy, and I forget what her sorry, last name. Sorry, name. Yeah, like so like, I, it's got. I can't believe there's two Peggies in DC publicity yeah, history. That's amazing. Um, but this has been really impressive because we've seen like this is at least the third month in a row that we've seen a kingdom come at, and they get better. You know what they're I mean? All I feel different. like they're, uh, they're they're more and more interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: we're gonna have to cover that one coming up soon. <laughs> Timely, you know, keep it keep it relevant with what sure. we're looking at. Isn't Charles Vess a magical creator, Jimmy? He is. He is. I've come across his Spider-Man, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically Spider-Man goes to uh, the U.K., Scotland, Scotland yeah. Some, and it's beautiful. It's so good looking. Um, yeah, very interesting creator. So far outside of like the realm of house styles, at a time whenever house style was still something. Absolutely. He just did his own thing. Those great Spider-Man covers in the black costume, yeah special special creator
1: yeah I think I think those were like the things he was like least interested in because this is a dude like I've seen pictures of him with a link to the past fucking Zelda costume type shit on with elf ears <laughs> planted to his head so he lives this shit this is his life he's down with it and uh it's clear you know this is the stuff that he wants to be spending his energy on uh he 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 likes these kind of d and d fantasy tolkien ish type things and uh, Neil Gaiman, one of his more recent books in prose was uh, Norse Mythology, so he's not uh, ignorant to that kind of thing. They won some major awards together with that uh, Midsummer's Night's Dreams issue of, of Sandman that got like the Nebula or a couple different other awards and things. And in fact, that's the issue that Neil Gaiman breaks down in his masterclass. Uh, Vess and Gaiman, this special uh, collaboration... All that said, I've never seen this. And I would love to. Yeah, I was
0: reading about this and I gotta tell everybody at home, it's not Stardust, the space wizard.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) Um, But it's really interesting to hear, like the last two paragraphs talk a little bit about process and, and Neil is dictating the story on tape. It started out he was going to handwrite it, and Charles Vest couldn't read his writing. <laughs> but the last paragraph is this is still very open ended, a back and forth ongoing process in which we exchange ideas and concepts. But when we're finished, we expect it to have a book that belongs on every coffee table in America. Bless you guys for thinking this way, for having a vision, for trying to do something that is not just uh, next week's issue on the rack.
1: And unfortunately, it came and went because like, I don't know that you could even get this thing. But no gaming is cash and checks. Like, if you just hold it angle tight. Like, last last issue, <laughs> okay. he did his million dollar book deal or whatever. So he ain't fucking with this too much. This is a jerk off to him. Like, like uh, I want to dictate it to you on tape. But, uh,. Neil Gaiman has his own round of techno comics, or or excuse me, big entertainment uh, that's going to come out. So Neil Gaiman's Phage... what is it? Shadow Death. Phage Shadow Death. He had Lady Justice. Uh, He allowed his name to be on the masthead, and he does not have anything to do with the interiors. Like, look at how corny that that thing is. So he's cashing some checks at, at this era. By the way, like everything in comics history... There are defenders of uh,
0: techno-comics. Yes, there (laughs) are. we hear from. Metacouple. (laughs) All right, here's our cover feature. Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld basically talking about their plans for these Marvel books. Man, I don't take much out of this. Like, the build-up to this, we've gotten pieces. And one that was interesting to me was they talk about this being built to uh, kind of make these properties more sellable to movies, which is interesting because obviously we know what has
1: happened. Totally. It's still called Unfinished Business. Here, but we know it to be heroes reborn. Uh, they are setting it up as life or death. Liefeld is saying, like, this is a last hurrah. If we can't launch these characters and make them work, you guys are going to be stuck with a comic industry full of vigilantes and half-naked women. Uh, so, like, it's like they're putting like the the, the universe on their shoulders. I, I wish we had the Maximum Press uh, Extreme Studios <laughs> checklist for this month. I know, right? <laughs> um, they're talking about little bits about the the contents of each but it's still pretty cagey Uh, on the channel you and i have covered issue one of captain america issue one of avengers and issue one of fantastic four so that lets me uh believe though that issue one of iron man by Wills is something we might have to look at i got them all sitting right over there but i don't think i've ever read a a page of that that one um but where, where we're at with these articles uh like like the paul Griss joint it's all just extremely Fisher price surface level so it's sort of up to you and me to carry the match with the conversation because this is all hot air it's all gas like there's nothing to it this is pretty good uh the it's a sidebar about the personal bests of uh, Lee and Liefeld and like one after the other, it's like, you can watch this cartoonist's cafe episode, that one. Jimmy, if you want to call a couple out that, that we've done as episodes.
0: This is fascinating. We may have done every book listed under Jim Lee. Punisher War Journal 1 and 2. We did the first one. Punisher War Journal 6 and 7. One of my first maybe five books is yep. Punisher War Journal 7, which is the Wolverine crossover. So your first real glimpse of uh, what Jim Lee can do with that character. And, man, I, I, those issues are like the personal spot for me. Totally. Uh, Uncanny X-Men 268, that's when Jim Lee takes over X-Men. Uh, great issue with the Captain America Wolverine flashbacks. Did that episode? Uncanny X-Men 275 to 277. We looked at 275. Yes. It was the gatefold cover, the double size space story. Amazing. And then X-Men 1 to 3, the ongoing... Uh, the the launch the big eight million copies sold of issue number one we've looked at that as well as the artist edition yeah we looked that at covers issue one. a lot of that
1: yeah yeah but it's like okay so we got to do two and three on that Liefeld uh, Hawk and Dove miniseries that's been on my list for a while as like that'll be coming up as like look you you yeah. know like we don't got to read it but just see where like early Liefeld when he transitions from like Megaton publishing to professional it there are some sights to behold that dude was really really going for it uh new mutants 98
0: to 100 we which just need to do 99 sets up x-force uh x-force one and two we did those episodes what if number seven the great what if wolverine was uh in shield yep uh pretty pretty cool issue there that, jim valentino writing it that is a kayfabe episode uh team youngblood number nine L- Liefeld's reser- return to comics after a year-long sabbatical I don't know if I have this issue. Uh, it's now on my list because it's like, you know, that's Liefeld probably coming back at the top of his game, you presume.
1: I might have two. I might have two <laughs> you, might, you might have like seven. Big Vogue on the cover.
0: <laughs> and uh, Youngblood number six, which uh, we talked with Rob Liefeld, went through it page by page with him to uh, hear some great stories about that issue. In
1: great detail. So yeah,
0: this, is, we, this should just be the personal best of Lee and Liefeld.
1: Uh, maybe we need to start a playlist. Yeah. <laughs> The Mike Diodato, uh, Thor, which became sort of ubiquitous at that time. And like the way he does his hair. Now, Mike Diodato, he is like a Silvestri and that the guy can draw his ass off. We, we've showed off some outlaw Mike Diodato artwork where he is clearly of that school of dope photo reference, but could turn it into his own thing. So dumb down for your audience, double your dollars. If this is what the people want, you want to see some titties and some ass, we're going to twist the girl up in that standard Lee Liefeld kind of yep, pose. Yep. We're going to curl the hair in the way that you guys like. It's so calculated in some ways. And he had an agent that was selling
0: him here in the States. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, it looks like they figured out, hey, what's the most commercial style? And, like you say, I think Diodato could draw any way you wanted him to draw. If this was the money, that he, he could deliver. That
1: it. agent came to Pittsburgh, and, and I showed him my portfolio. I just I think as a kid, you know, you go to show everybody your stuff. And the guy was like... Listen, you're good, but your work is old-fashioned. Take a look at Mike Diodato. He's got a computer full of 5,000 images that he takes, and he makes a collage oh, on, a, on a piece of paper and prints it out. He
0: needed to focus on that 5,000, that digital morgue file. Right. If he could have just gotten in line in front of Google with that, he'd, be, uh, he'd probably be a little better off today. The, now, this was fucking so special to see. I love Ross's pencils. Unbelievable. These are these are a lot of fun. Although this Superman's head looks pretty big to me. <laughs>
1: well, you know what? It's typical proportion. It's normal proportion. Yeah. So like, that's a regular fellow. Like even, even this. It's a it's a, He's got that guy, and he's, he still uses that same model mm-hmm. on his on his uh, superheroes, and you know, I'm sure the guy is fit, but like he's starting to get a little flat sure. spare tire and a couple more lines on the gimmick and shit like that, man. But uh, just the lighting, the consideration. I remember like seeing these and wanting some kind of toothy kind of paper to try to like figure out how to shade like that.
0: I love the amount of like smudges, Yeah, you know? Like he was getting some some graphite on those fingers as he was drawing this stuff. I have a, um, I guess it's an extreme, I can't remember the name of it, but it's him doing like a Youngblood Bible And has tons of these sketches in there of like his ideas for the different characters. Yeah, uh, that we could pull out at some point. This is such a great build up for Kingdom Come because he's describing it. You know, it's set in the future of DC. So you go from like dudes known for Marvels, set in the past. Now we're gonna switch companies and we're gonna go to the future. Yeah, like it's such a smart move. Like like from a look what I can do. Stand standpoint and also because like you've already got things like Dark
1: Knight Returns that have like pointed to DC's future in right. a major successful way build on it yeah look at that dude that's Michael Keaton he was always good for that kind of thing of like casting stars uh in 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 the rules and stuff and and like if that ain't Michael Keaton from Batman 89 like you're gonna have to get your glasses checked man I love the concept of Flash never being like a static image yeah you know what's gonna happen in some in some Years is there's going to be a very similar treatment like this with these like character design things from um, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, where it's Miller showing these like beautiful Sin City yeah, looking some of those characters, and it none of that is in the book. None of that is in the book the way it is in those sketches. So it was like selling the sizzle and forgetting about the stake, this this was fascinating to me because i i i don't think i remember it being so early i thought it was like more like toward like 99 because like it was a big deal when i went to art school you know to, to have some joe Kubert modern day superhero hero work and stuff but like we did an episode on batman black and white yeah it's a tremendous book especially at this time because how many
0: books have copied that one you know there's so many versions of like electra red black and white and you know like all these different titles and I feel like they all can trace back to this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this was the first. And it's, you know, shouts to Mark Chiarillo for, for having that foresight, man. And, and like, n- name some of those names, Jimmy.
0: Mike Allred, Simon Bisley, Brian Bullen, Howard Chaikin, Richard Corbin. Chuck Dixon, Neil Gaiman, Archie Goodwin. It, it's amazing, this list. That's, that was every
1: name. I skipped none just going down the list. <laughs> right. And you could do it the whole way. Libertory, Jim Lee, Joe Kubert, Katsuhiro Otomo, the Akira guy, drawing a goddamn Batman comic. I, I do think this is Richard Corbin's first dalliance in, in the mainstream. Uh, that's the first time I saw his name on like a Marvel DC Yeah, it's, it's an
0: incredible list. Bruce Tim, Alex Toth. Check
1: out our episode. Barry Windsor-Smith
0: really impressive
1: continuing dude with the sketches fantastic
0: yeah they're really like this is part I think of the advertising budget that DC puts behind Kingdom come like look we're gonna run ads for six months we're gonna need you to do some features in return yeah but why not it's it's awesome and from putting the magazine together this is a great article to put in here because it's a bunch of art that looks different than the rest of the magazine. Like, it's a visual magazine. So, by all means, try to find this kind of material. That is
1: Mike Allred. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it, it looks like him. So, it makes me wonder if, like, if all these people are other kind of cartoonist type guys. Is that Gray Morrow or somebody?
0: Yeah, it's real funny. That's the one to figure out. <laughs> who, who are you pointing at? Who do you think this... this? What are we looking at
1: here? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is that, I, I don't know, Buscema or somebody? Oh, interesting. But but are this has to be Mike Allred. That's amazing. That's so funny. But then who's yeah. that old old cuss? It's probably some old DC guy we don't know. Like. Totally. How about that side of the pencil stuff mm-hmm. to give you that red tornado character? Like you could see the marks. It's also one of the things that I get disappointed in because
0: like a lot of this doesn't make it into whatever the finished art is of Alex Ross. Yeah. And I would be so excited when I'd see the sketches and then like you wouldn't see too much of that on the finished page. Yeah. And I... Uh, I like Rob Liefeld saying, you know, if these books don't sell, you guys are going to be stuck with naked women books. And then, like, he's got to have half a dozen pages of ads in this issue. And this
1: is, like, the, his evergreen pose at this era. And he was figuring out ways to get get the waist skinnier and skinnier and, like, the, the breast shelf. Like, this is the height of those, like, toxic titty implants, dude, that, like, caused so much trouble to chicks in those 1990s, man. Just those rocks. By the way, shades of, like, Instagram modeling and doctoring of photos to To come. Yeah, totally, man. She should just be holding, like, some sort of uh, tummy tea. And Diodato Jr. uh, name also appearing. Yeah. I have nothing to say. Nah, (laughs) keep going. Don't waste your time. (laughs) I uh, kind of feel the same way about this one it's true like like when we talk with these jobber guys like it, it's first off it's diplomatic conversation and i don't have any use for that like i like i can't take anything from that professionally
0: it's also if you go through it it's like here's my plan for fantastic four here's my plan for spider-man here's my plan for solar and superman and it's like i don't care about any of these characters like if it's
1: just what's happening with the licensed property i'm sort of out and nothing happened like you know he did he did a six issue gimmick with his own spider-man title go away a couple issues on solar goes away uh whatever like you know these guys their careers ain't ain't interesting to me how about that cover dude we're we're keeping we're keeping uh dave McKean busy after sandman goes away
0: yeah what an extraordinary talent it's cool to see you've got an ad with dave McKean art here you've got mention of cages number 10 you know reaching its conclusion a very ambitious book earlier so once again i kind of do think wizard Slightly better at comics coverage than they're giving credit for, right? Jeez. Vampirilla ad, big ass fucking article. This really is something. Makes me wonder if I if I forgot something, but uh, I don't think there was anything in here that stood out to me. No, not at all. Like I say, a lot of stuff about what he was doing with the characters he was working on at the time. Hey,
1: man, we're launching a toy magazine, Ed. Let's make sure everybody knows it. This is what uh, this is the Punker Mike section, you know? Like like how how far things have grown in like the kit bashing space today. But but uh, honestly, seeing this, it was kind of cool. I absolutely love this article, except there's one major shortcoming. <laughs> and let's show, because you could say like, okay, they prime it. They, We're they getting close. We're gonna build a Captain America figure. And you could see the shape of it. <laughs> like you could bet his shield was right here. But they just fucking made that file invisible or something. Like that, that layer no is gone. Finish shot. No, it's exactly. Something went wrong. Totally. Because they got the space for it. That's what I'm saying. Like the yeah. shield is probably right here, and all the type is there. It's just like I don't know how quark works or whatever. But if you can make a layer invisible, like they did that, and what will happen is you got to wait till next issue to see the Captain <laughs> America. I totally remember that. It it all came back.
0: That's so funny. Oh, some more toy stuff. So here's how the professionals do it. That's kind of a cool one, too article of having like, this is the fan version. And then like, this is how it's actually
1: done at, at Toy Biz. And it's cool to see, you know, like what's a lot Toy Biz making a lot of stuff, right? And you're not seeing no Monkey Man O'Brien fucking comics. This is Art Adams doing the toy designs. So, you know, if, if this is just some like D level fucking toy, he might've been designing a whole bunch of that stuff. Uh, so, in that world of NDAs and all that kind of shit, there's probably hundreds of pieces of Art Adams artwork out there that we don't get to see. That being said, we live in a new new era, and we can manifest destiny, right? So, uh, IDW, somebody, go make a deal with Toy Biz or whatever uh, conglomerate owns it now, and let's get that art book. I want that art book. That would be a great art book, dude, because I've seen other pieces... Where he does, like, the full turnarounds and stuff, man. Yeah, so, but... so, it's almost like that Keith Pollard, like, Marvel Universe C3 views of your favorite character. Uh, they're taking on our behinds with a feather, because, like, that's a whack character. Is that, like, a Super scroll or something like that? I have no idea. Like, there's a Xenomorph
0: arm, <laughs> you know? Like, it's bizarre. I don't know what this figure is, but I would love to see more of it. Yeah. You know what is wild is... Is, is, is this Apocalypse? Yeah, it looks like it, but that's that's definitely a Joe Mad design. That's what I was gonna say. Is you can really see the Joe Mad in that figure. So yeah. it's kind of cool whenever these companies start getting to that level where like they're not just doing an X Man, but an X Man based on this or that the creator design.
1: I feel like with the things that we know now, like yeah. you would leave this photo
0: out. We've seen a few instances of this, I think, over our coverage where it's like maybe don't show the the factory <laughs> footage.
1: You know, one of the uh, the figures that I always remember is the uh, kamala ljn figure with the tattoos on the on the chest and no two tattoos ever look the same and you could always see overspray, which is the indication of a human hand behind that and it makes you think like is it some kid who's painting that that doesn't get to play with that
0: figure it's so funny when art is assembly lined because like velvet paintings would be that way is that true yeah at least some of them um, and they would be assembled, like, I have one for my in-laws from, like, their wedding, well, their honeymoon in Mexico. But it was, like, assembly line. You know, you would basically really have a person a that, like, I do the the, pink, the face color, you know, and it's just a couple of brush strokes or whatever. Uh, yeah, because, you know, there, there were
1: a lot of those things produced and sold to the cheap. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that. Yep. Toys, toys, toys. I'm fully out of toys at this point, man. Yeah. Little, little Ed is spending all of his money on uh, art supplies. and I had uh, a Super Patriot. Yeah, I think I was out. I think I was out at that point. Art supplies and comics is where my money's going. Uh, we could probably spend a couple... Couple seconds on the Pittsburgh Comic-Con. We sure can because look at
0: how they arranged their guest list, and like buried in the middle is Stan Lee. Yeah. Same as Thomas Allison, <laughs>
1: whoever he is. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not go uh alphabetical order, but there are some amazing memories here. You see Steve Lieber's name. I mention him a lot of times, yeah. like where he was my for one half hour per year he was like my best art school as a young teen trying to come into comics. I used to go to the convention with the best pages that I produced that previous year, put like 11 by 17 Tracy paper over top of them, take them to Steve Lieber, let him mark up all the stuff. first time I heard about tangents was from Steve Lieber, showing me how to better compose my Western gunfighter to get those side view of the of the two guns you know like oh no you got to move your guns off of each other so you see them both clearly this dude dan parsons is the guy that did a comic called harpy like i bought all six issues of harpy that year lewis smalls jr who was doing like harris type comics maybe a issue or two of vampirella the guy did almost nothing but would go to every convention into the aughts man And uh, give girls roses and stuff like this. Brink Stevens is listed here. I mentioned her because I just watched
0: the Dave Stevens documentary. It was uh, Dave Stevens' wife for for a time. Uh, Did a comic with her name
1: above the title. Yes. Um, And I was looking, I was like, oh, was Dave Stevens here? (laughs) But but afraid not. She is the host. She was a part of fandom... San Diego comic-con from like almost day one. Yeah. She's the host of that oral history. That's like on Sirius XM about comic-con. So she's a connective tissue. She may or may not have been affiliated with the Everett Hartso line of comics. This is certainly the era where Everett Hartso's in there where he's got a stable of chicks. And what the move was, was you get like Heather Elizabeth Parkhurst, who would be like a Cinemax movie. What, what are those What are those? It's not Michael Mann. Those movies that had like Julie Strain in it, like that would be like Ben mara ish. Like, like I know what they are. There was there. Yeah, some about skyscrapers. So he would get the chicks from those kind of movies, and they would make a very crappy comic, uh, and but there would be like a nude cover that you could buy. So it would be like here's the regular one, but they probably floated by selling the nude cover, which would be forty bucks, and it would be a photograph. Of this chick's big fake titties. Uh, and that, that would float it. So those guys would have the biggest line. Those chicks would have the biggest line in the convention. And everybody else is like. Just kind of twiddling their damn thumbs. Uh, Did you remember. Do you remember Gil Kane being there? Absolutely not.
0: That would have been a cool
1: I, 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 story
0: that you had about him. Yeah, I would have no, been on I, board.
1: Yeah I do not. Uh, nor Tony, Tony Daniel. Um, Patrick Block is the dude. Patrick Block and his wife. Took over the Duck Comics. They they were doing the Ducks, and uh, that they introduced me to Coral Barks. Wow! The comics. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so many memories, man. I do remember Shelly Moldoff. I do remember Martin O'Dell, the creator of uh, Green Lantern in the Golden Age, and he's also the guy who created the design for the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. So he would have um, prints for sale there.
0: Yeah, he he came. For years, I think. Because I remember seeing him there, and I think it was a later show than the 96 show.
1: I have... Uh, so so I don't remember Rich Buckler Sr. Like, Did they say Sr.? Okay, yeah, it did. But, but Rich Buckler Jr., I got a comic from him at this convention called Golden Warrior. I have Golden Warrior. Yeah, yeah, and he was a pretty cool cat.
0: It's so funny because that's a book I pulled out of a dollar bin, and I'm sure it's probably because he came through a Pittsburgh Comic-Con you know you end up selling a bunch of your stock to like store local stores and things at the end of the day yeah and that's probably how that trickles down And or it may have been a fan that bought it and then you know <laughs> so many their collections so
1: many great memories wrapped up in in that convention man
0: all right greg capullo continuing storytelling and pacing this is our part two and what we're seeing here is several of the same story but told in different ways like Amazing. let's break down our panels let's see what happens if we make it longer uh you know maybe more tension that way surprise stuff Um, just kind of a cool idea here that like you can tell the same scene the same story but look how many different ways you can do it
1: and it lets you know about editing it lets you know about brevity all those things one of the one of the uh, lessons that I would give when I would teach workshops was um, let me see you adapt your favorite story in four panels six panels nine panels four pages like that's that's the exercise, right? And you do you do the four panels, and it gives you your beginning beginning and end, and then your basic climax in the middle, and then you expand and you get a little bit more nuance. But it's an idea about editing and about like what what's what's needed to get you from point A to B. And this is you know the a more brief version of that. Those those exercises that I would give would be a two week process. There's, um, Matt Madden did a thing. It was like 99
0: ways to tell a story or I might be butchering the title a little bit, yeah. but it used to be on, I want to say the ninth art.com. One of mm-hmm. these early websites for comics. And it'd be like once or twice a week, you get an update. And I was so fascinated by that. There's a book collection too, but it's the same exact principle of like, you know, the same sequence or the same action, but just told in so many, in his case, you know, a hundred different ways. There was, uh, but it's very fun. Like, when you're first introduced to that concept, to yeah. see it broken down that way and then, you know, your head starts spinning on like, oh, okay,
1: interesting. There was an exercise in a David Mazzucchelli class. Uh, give me the tortoise in the hair, no words.
0: Yes, yeah, uh,
1: very famous Mazzucchelli, uh,
0: you know, lesson or, or exercise. You
1: have to earn your words.
0: Yes. By the way, this is the craziest story Capullo could put together of a grandmother shooting this
1: little kid. Some 90s baby, but it, don't worry, he's a robot. <laughs> it sure is.
0: Blah, blah, blah. Ah, movie news from 1996.
1: Blah, blah, blah. Let's Look, go Somebody to...
0: grabbed the uh, Gen 13 One Wizard half. half offer here. All right, I Dream of Comics. This is focusing on Rick Veach's Rare Bit Fiends, his uh, self-published dream comics.
1: Ran into the 20s. And I think he's doing them again now. Yeah, I got three trade paperbacks of, of them. Um, these are the Veach comics that I know the least, but it, clearly it's like a big deal to him. Absolutely. You know, he, he spent a lot of time on it, but in a lot of ways, my thing is like, the last thing I want to hear about is your dreams. Right. Um, but he and definitely involved himself in some chemical endeavors in his day, so his brain is probably very, very uh, visual. And there are some cool things, man. Uh, throughout, throughout the past couple of five years... Uh, the kayfabers have have sent us various trades, and when we do our little flip and, and we trade off comics, like like I've I've put together the run of of TPBs for this series. But uh, this is a consequence of the profits made from the 1963. We talked with all of the creators of those 1963 comics, and they all really really benefited and reinvested into their own businesses. Um, Dave Gibbons bought you know, a Cod Barrett Photoshop fucking setup that he had, you know, his own computer colorist make. And then he started drawing digitally super early. People like Don Simpson, Veach, Bissette have go- gone into self-publishing. And this was, uh, the, the Rick Veach choice. Yeah. Very, uh, this is another one of those books, like whenever, cause
0: I was into all of this at that time. Yeah. So I was buying some of these and like you, I don't, do a lot with dreams you know like i don't keep a dream journal or anything but it was very expansive in terms of what comics could be sure yeah. you know it was another one of those examples of like hey you can do anything with comics if, like what's your idea
1: there's probably a way to do it in comics and this was a pretty good example of that because of the psychedelia of it like I, I would choose to not think about the dream part in a certain way and it just it became like a modern day underground comic where there's no requirement of aristotelian right. structure so it could be this this exercise in, in, in psychedelia, which is honestly, it makes pretty cool. me want to revisit this because I, no, I, 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 haven't, I
0: haven't read these since you know I was whatever 18 or 19 at this time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: so it makes me curious how I would interpret those now with a much broader vocabulary for comics. I think it could be really exciting. But he talks about like he started keeping dream journals like in his early 20s. And you know, I've known people that have done that. This also strikes me as the kind of comic that you could sell to people that may have no interest in comics, absolutely, but if they're interested in this subject matter man this would be an incredible resource
1: giant history of this man. It's beginning with windsor mckay like like almost his whole career you know if it's not you know sammy sneeze it's some version of in fact the rarebit fiend that comes from dreams of the rarebit fiend the 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 early windsor mckay strips right uh jesse reckla had a comic called slow wave that was serialized in in alt weeklies across the country he might even still be making that that stuff same deal his his gimmick Send me your dreams. I'll draw them. Right. Pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool MacGuffin. So this is a wing of comics. Like this is an entire subgenre that exists. Uh, these are the more interesting people who have made their dream comics because during those navel gays late nineties yeah, right. early two thousands, uh, very uninteresting people were, were were making their dream comics and and feeling like you should uh, participate in that. It might be this. It might be this entry. Or there was a there was a Rick Veach interview where he mentioned that like he not only does he not watch tv but like he doesn't even own a television and at this point in my young life I'm drawing a whole bunch sure but like my family would marvel at the fact that I could like sit there draw all day and but like be able to recite the plot of the movie that we just watched or some shit and I could not imagine being away from television at this time i couldn't imagine it like it it made no sense to me right. at all because I could probably be in front of a TV for five hours in a day, and it was like when I went to art school where like they tell you about what like like housing accommodations is, and it 's like not only is there not cable but there's we will not let you like plug holes into the wall like you there will be no cable here, and I was nervous about that I was really nervous about that man it's so silly to think about. But like when I split, and I went to art school, and I had that excuse to be able to draw, twenty four seven kind of thing. TV was done. Like I quit watching TV at seventeen, and I immediately understood Rick Veach's position. And his thing was all about productivity and things like that. And I'm sure that he, you know, would watch a movie or something. But like, uh, TV it, it is a time waster. Certainly, if you're a maker of comics.
0: A couple of last notes for this is this comes out of it started as a 24-hour comic yeah which is really fun because a lot of guys did that 24-hour comic thing in the early 90s we've even i think encountered it in palmer's picks in the past but like neil gaiman did one yeah, you know a lot of people did yeah. and uh veech that's how rare bit fiends begins for him so you know a lot of that 24-hour comic is a real tool depending Absolutely. on what you do with it so that's pretty fun and then i love his recommendations some of his favorite comics Cerebus, Tyrant, THB, Bone, Bizarre Heroes—all um, of those are part of the Spirits of Independence tour. Yeah. You know, the self-published stuff: Sandman, Love and Rockets, Jim Acme Novelty Library, From Hell, and Bacchus. So, a lot of self-publishing titles in that list. Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible to think of comics as like nosediving at this point, and
1: yet the creativity is really impressive. The the the, the indies are rising, man, and and. My buying dollar was firmly going there. The The last monthly comic that I was fucking with was Preacher. So keep in mind that list of comics I just read
0: off. Some incredible stuff. And you turn the page, and now we're going to have an article on Tezuka, the god of, of comics. <laughs> incredible. Like, talk about four strong pages from uh, Wizard Magazine. An oasis, wow. if you will. It really in, is. In the midst of a, a, <laughs> an really ocean of,
1: of feces. Yes. And uh, specifically, we're talking Adolf. And the idea was to, like, have this thing out, give it, give it the proper book treatment. Now, this version of Adolf came and went fast. And I don't know that very many copies were out there. But um, the the Pittsburgh Library had this. And I, it was probably the first big Tezuka that, that I was able to read. But it has, in more recent times, I don't think it the complete got released. Don't quote me on that. Um, there were several volumes, but the complete is out there now in like two super handsome hard covers, chunky books, maybe a thousand pages of story. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think this version was
0: five volumes, so you're okay. pretty easy to fill up, and and not like the um some of the smaller size manga volumes, like I think they're two hundred plus pages. Yeah, it's an interesting choice to be like the first main intro of Tezuka to uh, Western readers, but I guess you got to start somewhere. And I think we've gotten into this with various, um, I don't know, collections. Oh, there you go.
1: Yes, yeah, so our modern joints.
0: You know, like, where do you start with this stuff, you know, if yeah. you're going to reprint? Like, I would assume this is not his most commercial thing here in the U.S., but also, who knew what was the way to sell manga in 1996?
1: You know, what's beautiful, too, is, like, those Adolfs are flipped so that you read it Western style, but, oh, are these are these flipped? Okay, never mind. It's it's still at Western style, so they probably use the same files. Yeah. Shots of to Copacetic Comics for hooking me up. Yes, and a vertical for just publishing a ton of
0: great manga. Yeah, which which and beautiful uh, editions. It, it of may it. be
1: that Chip Kid designed that. I could take a look.
0: Yeah. So pretty awesome to get just an overview of him, and it's very interesting because they're kind of they incorporate that message of like American comics are are struggling. Maybe this is the. Uh, Perhaps it's time for a currently struggling U.S. industry to start looking up to the teachings
1: of the god of manga. How correct
0: they were. Indeed. Yeah, it's a real blueprint.
1: How correct they were, man, because uh, it, it, is, it is the biggest selling uh, wing of comics in America. Mainstream comics in America is manga. It is not Marvel in DC by, by even, you know, it's probably like a factor of four or something.
0: Yeah, I was thinking maybe a factor of ten. <laughs> I, just <laughs> I just didn't want to be too hyperbolic. Somebody's eating somebody else's lunch. I just didn't want to
1: be too hyperbolic. They're promoting the Orion trade paperback by uh, Masamune Shiro. and this is like—I uh, think this might be like his like Lovecraftian. Yeah, there's some s- sort
0: of story mystical elements in this. Is this what started out as a fan comic? No, Black and, Magic. Oh, Black Magic. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a doujinshi. Um Interesting line here is that. Shiro is perhaps the most influential manga artist in the U.S. That's an incredible statement to think about because, you know, I don't think anybody would say that today. No. But it has to do with how books were released then and, and what the response was. Yeah. And Ghost in the Shell was a big, big release. I think Appleseed was successful. The fact that so many of Shiro's books were imported and translated, it's not because of the initial deal. It's because the books that were coming out were selling. So it's right. like, you
1: got more of this guy? We can sell him. Totally. And, and <laughs> uh, there were... TCJ's, and uh, maybe we, we talked about in some other stuff, but like Torin Smith is the guy who basically discovered Shiro for the American market, and he wanted to bring it over. It, there was like bidding wars. Like people clearly saw that in a, a landscape where like Robotech and like Voltron and stuff has already primed the pump for uh, this kind of imagery for to kids, like Appleseed was very logical. bring over and uh ended up at eclipse to begin and the complete series got put out by uh door probably around this time yeah and you know one last
0: thing for anybody that maybe hasn't read a lot of manga i know there are a lot of american comics readers that that's like a different a different form or something um if you're not familiar with tezuka like he comes on after world war ii Kind of builds the manga industry, yeah. With his success, his first book, New Treasure Island, they say sold four hundred thousand copies by word of mouth alone. This is also a time, like I think it's like six or eight years without television in Japan after World War II, as everything's being rebuilt, and there would be lending libraries, manga lending libraries, yeah, so like re-
1: rental manga.
0: That's your, that's your, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, that's your your television before television gets up and running there. And Tazuke is the guy that gets credit, but he builds generations of an audience for that and i mean at this point even today the amount of manga that makes up the books that are bought and consumed in japan it's something like 40% it's a huge number
1: yeah yeah in in this in this piece it's 40% like in the in the 90s and that's probably still still the same and quite a range because adolf definitely a mature
0: comic oh, yeah. this is not one that little kids are going to get excited over i don't know that they would be offended by it but i just don't know if they'd be interested but that's tazuka's career where like he did Every all the stuff that you know about, you know, Kimba and Astro Boy and things that would have been hugely popular with all ages and with kids. But then he also gets into mature work as he gets older. Oh, yeah. So his library is just humbling.
1: And they talk about Kimba the White Lion here, and and uh, it's and 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 uh, Disney kind of cribbing from from Kimba. It is so true. Like if you take yeah. a look and see that stuff, there is like. The, the bad guy lion that kills the dead it, it's it's all there man
0: to to a t and that's how a generation before this would have known Tezuka in America was from those cartoons that were imported it's true yeah um and the last note for this is they talk about the big eyes look a manga that's coming it. out of Tezuka it says it came out of the Disney films that he was growing up with those were influential in those early comics and just so. like
1: remember like trying to remember like drawn that kind of style but he made it his own and so he is responsible for like those big eyes that you see that you associate with manga, like that comes from Tezuka's inspiration.
0: Yeah. Drawing board, always fun. I didn't recognize any names in this drawing board list. Oh, good works. Um, but that's funny combining uh,
1: Calvin and Hobbes and Pitt. And and this is like that move where it's like you're going to get an man, if you yeah. draw Garib Sheamus. That's right. <laughs> that is exactly how that works. Inquest, that's going to be the card game magazine to come out pretty soon.
0: All right, so our picks focus on Batman Black and White with a nice Howard Chaykin. Batman close up there at the bottom. It's
1: good, man. That means that some of the art is established because like so much of this would be uh, weird promo stuff and just like filler art to like get the point across, but that's a striking image.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's exciting. Very, very cool, man. The list of... Boy, these issues are great. Go see our video on Batman Black and White.
1: So we're getting into the Carl Kessel, Carrie Nord run of daredevil and it becomes a darling run to the wizard guys in forthcoming issues it's, it's it's a big deal to them and the conceit is that we're going a complete opposite direction from frank miller we are we're going to have some more fun and, and you're going to actually see daredevil have a smile on his face when he jumps over a fence or something i remember that one image uh i never read it but revisiting these issues of wizard i am a little bit curious about it yeah, I was I was pretty much out. I remember Carrie Nord's name.
0: Don't know why I would have even seen it, maybe in an ad in some book that I had or whatever. He's going to
1: get a lot of shine in the Pages of Wizard uh on like probably like the Patrick Daniel O'Neill types who yeah. who who yearn for that old era of comics.
0: It's amazing that they're, you know, you've got Spider-Man being swapped out for a clone. Right. But Daredevil, if you just have him in a good mood, he, he's like <laughs> it's different, you yeah. know, revamp the character. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sin City, that yellow bastard, is uh, is running here.
1: I'd like to go through that one with you.
0: Yeah, we'll probably do that one before too long. Spider-Man Legacy of Evil, I mentioned, is a previous thing that we saw, and I think maybe it was the last issue of Wizard. Yeah. Uh, but you see it finally hitting the stands here. Mark Texierra painting a Spider-Man story. I'm curious about that one.
1: We're at 14 issues of Preacher, and I, like, I, I start collecting it on a monthly basis with issue 18, which will be the uh, standalone issue because, like, I, this is issue fourteen. Is Hunters part two of four? So like I had this hard rule in my young life: you never buy a comic for the first time in part two. So if you show me that part two on the cover, like I will never buy it. So I had to wait for there to be an entry point, point. and that was my entry point. And it just so happened that the culture of the trade paperback is going to be starting up pretty soon. So I was able to get you know two trades to to fill in that to plug in that those holes. And uh, that was my last monthly book that you know completed in 2000 2001 and that was done. that was it. We don't look at a lot of like the um, th- they do reports you know on the back issue market
0: and stuff yeah but the report in this issue is about how hot preacher is. Oh that's cool. so you know it's built momentum now they're a year a little bit over a year in starting up the trade paperbacks
1: and apparently uh it had developed its following talk about a day late and a dollar short the cyberforce summer trading card series like where were you 10 Boy, like five years ago
0: gimmick on gimmick on gimmick right there
1: <laughs> the top 10 is is interesting it's, it's all different um you got your marvel you've got your two preachers that yeah. now
0: uh, invaded the top 10 yeah to speak of like this is a book that's hot
1: yeah you got your uh two issues of uh, dc versus marvel and i don't think i saw angela on there before and i think dawn is probably a new addition
0: yeah it's uh angela kind of makes sense you know a mcfarland version
1: of a bad girl book yeah but that's a years old comic at this point i feel like hold up pick up steam when the new oh yeah 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 it's it's an old comic there's gonna be an uh, there's gonna be a regular series to come out i didn't even realize that yeah i don't i don't think i knew about that either to be honest This might be it man we might have shot our loads
0: yeah this is your your market watch where i talk about like preacher becoming a very popular book
1: what a cover yeah shouts to jean paul leon rest in peace good sir man you were a great soldier in the medium of of the comic book but this is early for me for him
0: i did not realize he was that this is when this book comes out
1: i know right like i remember when this was on the racks though and it was it's a marvel comic so like it is butted up against the garish color of the computer coloring that that they put out there and for some reason the marvel dc cartoon says they they still feel like you got to bleed and put like a million characters and a million fonts and all kinds of stuff on these covers this stood out like a beacon i i mean i'm looking at these two and
0: imagining like it's so incongruous that these are next to each other in time right. you know like this is the same moment
1: in time like I, it scrambles my brain and i believe jean paul leon brought up a uh, school of visual arts in that bernard hogarth uh eulogy piece talked about how simonson was uh a, a teacher there at that point i think Walt simonson taught yes. john paul leon yeah i
0: have an artist edition of his yeah the uh yeah you
1: won that in a flipper one time I, I did
0: it's beautiful we'll have to look at that one of these there, days. There,
1: there's that smiley uh matt Murdock. <laughs> like i feel like they use that same image for the next like three fucking wizards or something that's funny that's such a funny pose too. Not what I was expecting. Whenever you said jumping over a fence, yeah, it's kind of pool, <laughs> pool
0: vaulting. That's hilarious. Uh, you know, I mentioned Peter David as being this the hot writer, and there he is at number one, sitting in front of Neil Gaiman. Uh, McFarlane's still in that pool position for top ten hardest
1: artists. Hasn't drawn a fucking comic doesn't, in three doesn't years. Draw comics at this point. This makes me want to do issue two of Tick, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, we should. Yeah. It's a great cover.
0: i've been meaning to uh to just to mention like where spawn falls on these wizard top sure. top 100 lists because here's spawn 44 coming in at number two behind a very gimmick heavy book at number one the marvel marvel and dc basically teaming up to defeat todd McFarlane for <laughs> uh, the monthly sales and uh spawn 45 maybe they shipped you know twice that month or whatever spawn has two top five books and if you add spawn wildcats three top seven books that's incredible. What McFarlane, how long McFarlane rode the wave of comic book success with what he did at image. I mean, 45 issues in we're, we're four
1: years into this thing and McFarlane is still dominating the sales. Absolutely. Like that dude, uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he's making some bank and at the height of McFarlane toys, they had an entire aisle at Toys R Us. And you think how many Toys R Us's were out in the country at that point? And when I talk about an aisle, I'm talking both sides. Like, one side is Spawn specific, and then the other side, you're looking at where the Wild Things are, and Akira, and the Hansen brothers from Slapshot Figures, <laughs> and Austin Powers. Like, he. There was that Devil Made Me Do It documentary, like something, the Devil Inside Me documentary, that, that was created in the aughts. It was, I think it ran on uh, tech TV. So it would have been like 2004 or something like that. They, they said his net worth is over $300 million. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, those
0: toys, whenever we were going to interview him, I was looking up his toys because it's not something I've kept up with. And I thought, well, you we want to do your due diligence. The toy licenses that he has been through is astounding. If you're not, if you don't follow Todd McFarlane toys, you probably have no idea how many licenses he has produced toys for yeah. and stunners like toys that don't look like other toys yeah. you know don't look like you know some mold that he has like stuff that's built for those properties weird
1: stuff like yellow beetles yellow submarine sure toys. and to this day like uh you know he did stranger things toys you go to target right that's like the last store that that exists he, he'll he'll have a half dozen figures to to 10 yeah. A, or a dozen different figures of, you know, doing Marvel DC type things, but then he'll do, like, that Stranger Things or, like, Five Nights at Freddy's video game toys. They're there. Like, you you see that little Spawn logo on various uh, figures there. All right. Here's the one glaring omission. Uh, because, like, uh, here, okay... Go to the very end of like the trading court stuff, like when you get the the miscellaneous, because this answers something you and I were talking, you and I were talking here, I'll just go here. Yeah. You and I were talking like, what was that other Photoshop thing that guys use? And I'm like, yeah, you know what, man, Rob Liefeld and, and uh, Eric Larson brought it up, but we have kind of like a, uh, what do you call it? like the personal ads Yes. Uh, and somebody's like soliciting work as a color separator and it's Cod Barrett. Remember I said it was like CAD something? Yeah. Cod Barrett is the name. I have never heard that name before. Want to know what's funny? You did because in your uh, piece about Hellboy and the various print runs, like I I typed in Cod Barrett because I wanted to see videos or if there's anything. Such few posts come up and one of them that comes up is you mentioning Cod Barrett in uh, a little essay about the best best, uh, look of a Hellboy.
0: That's so funny because I have no memory of it. But I was sniffing around some of the early coloring stuff. Like I remember talking to uh, a staff colorist from Dark Horse, one yeah. of the companies that had colorist on staff, and uh, and they used something besides Photoshop. And I always thought it was a Corel
1: product, but uh, that must have been where I got the Cod Barrett info. So so here's the glaring omission to this the magazine, and the, I mean, maybe the last issue or the issue before. There's going to be a monthly article by John Byrne. Yes, that's never happened. <laughs> So he did that one that was basically like... His first comic he ever read? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I guess it just didn't catch, catch fire. That's funny. Wow. I um, had this issue, man. That, that's uh, Ron Friends on the inside there. Looks like a yoga pose or something. It does, man. Yoga with Adrian. That's probably This is probably what all of us cartoonists need to be doing.
0: Like, stretch out that rib cage. <laughs> Surprised they didn't end up doing like a game... Video game magazine, you know with their cards and their uh, yeah. toys. Yeah, seems like something that could have happened and a Ron Mars profile Can't be less interested. <laughs> and, Keep uh, it pushing.
1: I think we're out. Yeah Yeah, we're done
0: Boy even ends with your uh, your card card game ad on the inner back cover. Yeah, man And what is this <laughs> This is how we get in trouble with YouTube <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they're like what a what a weird ad yeah, totally, but it's okay because it's a robot. Do you know this Mirage company? I don't. I have to assume that has nothing to do with turtles, but nah. It's weird to see Mirage as a company name on the back of Wizard, and it's not turtles. Jimmy, you want to put the call out, man? Yes, I'm looking for Wizards sixty to sixty eight, and as you guys can see,
1: we're getting there. We're getting. It's getting scary. I'm running
0: out, <laughs> of, running out of room here, but uh,
1: we still got a couple to go. And, so, and you know what's fucked up is I was looking at my digital stuff. Bootlegs and whatnot, and the '60s are spotty. Wonder, man,
0: wonder what that all means. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a bottoming out period. Although I, I swear the bottoming out is still a little ways off. But the end of '96 is Marvel
1: bankruptcy, so maybe that is kind of the bottom. I'm this, not sure. this magazine pivots. You know, it's going to start to have Sarah Michelle Gellar on the cover and things. You know, and just talk about TV shows pretty much. <laughs> wow, it, it, it's going to get real bad real fast. But uh, <laughs> but we uh, we'll do what we can. Good to go jimmy yes okay favors like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available cartoonist Fab comic book christmas in july is coming it's going to be the last saturday in july and we're taking a bunch of our comic book doubles our duplicates and our comp copies and we are stuffing those into the free little lending libraries in our neighborhoods man the idea is to create bigger awareness of comics out there we all happen upon comics in our own weird ways Uh, But most often it was an accident, man, so let's create a situation where somebody could accidentally come across a comic and get hooked for life, man. Give the first one away for free, drug dealer philosophy. The Patreon is a big help to the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Become a King Kayfaber on our Patreon at the link below, and you get all the videos uh, well ahead of time. And you're getting access to the stream uh, where we record all the week's videos uh, at once, and the Kayfabers, uh, King Kayfabers, join us to uh, add to the conversation and see what the heck we're talking about and order it before anybody else, man. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make, so Jimmy, let the people know what you have. True Crime Funnies, number one, is out
0: now. Uh, You can get it on my website, jimrug.com. Uh, you can get it on my Patreon, where I post my comics as I create them, so patreon.com slash jimrug. My other books include Hulk Grand Design, The Plain Janes, Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, about the uh, homeless ninja on a skateboard, and coming later this year would be Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. You can pre-order that one now.
1: Couple big deals this year, man. Uh, the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is forthcoming. Uh, we have hit the print button and we are uh, trying to make our best guess on how many of these things to print, but I'm quite sure it's not exactly going to be enough. It's going to include the full four volumes of hip-hop family tree but we're adding 140 pages of additional content material in there to make this thing a very very substantial book this is the complete spine so just imagine it's the size of a phone book the contents of this comic it's going to be available for the holiday season another book that's going to be available for the holiday season is the x-men grand design trilogy man we're making a standard trade paperback of my complete x-men grand design works about 250 260 pages of comics in there uh some of those volumes are out of print The comic that is coming out with all new materials is red room crypto killers there are two trade paperbacks of red room uh, out there today the anti-social network and trigger warnings but you're looking at uh the two issues of red room crypto killers that are on the stands right now completely self uh contained stories that uh hold up on their own if you dig one of these uh issues and you see one in the wild, give another one a shot. I encourage you to grab Crypto Killer's number three. Uh, that's going to come out pretty soon, because that is uh, going to contain a backup feature. That is the focus of my comic strips that I, that I'm working on today. So that'll be a hot key, the first appearance of uh, of my new new works, man. Uh, this is our bibliography. Support it that way. Keep the lights on. But there are some other ways to support the Cartoonist KFAB channel. Let the people know, Jimmy. Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the
0: links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop, including a brand new design featuring a uh, wrestling, a a masked wrestler Cartoonist Kayfabe design. So follow that link below this video. All great ways to support the channel. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.